All right, church, well, I'm, I'm glad to be here with y'all tonight. Um, if y'all would, just turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 so we can continue the, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is now, I guess, the third or fourth sermon in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, about a month ago, Josh Womble gave us an introduction to the Sermon on the Mount uh, and, and showed us in all three of those chapters uh, an overview of, of what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and, then, and then Marcus uh, preached on kind of an overview of the Beatitudes, if you were here for that. Uh, then we had a week off, and, and then Jake preached last week on uh, salt and light, and, and what, uh, how Jesus calls us um, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And, uh, and now that brings us to um, verses 17 through 20. So if you would, follow along with me. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I heard a story one time about uh, uh, this this guy who was going out to be a Navy SEAL. And I don't know how many of you all uh, have ever... uh, heard of how hard it is to be a Navy SEAL, the training that goes into it. Uh, they used to have a show uh, several years ago that um, when I lived with a friend of mine, we would watch it in the living room, and, and his dad was really uh, just got, loved watching the show, was pumped uh, about it, and, and just the, the training that goes into it, how hard it is. Um, it, it really takes you, uh, a person, to, to uh, just a whole different level of, of work and work ethic and um, uh, during that time, I, I remember watching this show, and uh, they had a story of a guy on there who had uh, apparently, you know, they're, they're, they're sleeping like two or three hours a night, and then they're having to go uh, swim in this pool, so many laps, and then run so much, and, and do all of this stuff, and, and at one point, they have them uh, have to swim down to the bottom of this pool, and I, I don't remember how, how deep it was, but they have to swim down to the bottom of it, and while they're down there, they have a, a, a rope that they have, and they're trying to tie uh, three separate knots into this rope. So this is the requirement. You have to tie these three different specific knots and then you have to come up, all the while not being able to breathe, you have to hold uh, your breath the entire time, and so you're down there, you're trying to hold your breath, you're trying to tie this knot, uh, and, 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 you know, as all of us would do, we would panic, and we'd swim back up to the top having not finished it. Uh, and that happened a couple of times, and then finally, uh, this is his last opportunity to go swim to the bottom of the pool, uh, get all three of the knots tied, and get back up in time. Well, what happened was, <laughs> in trying to tie the last knot, uh, he passed out uh, underwater. And, and so uh, there were emergency staff there. They were helping him. They got him out of, the, out of the water, and they resuscitated him, and he was fine. But as soon as he woke up, he was, he was worried, asking, like, did, did, I, did I get it? Did I pass? Did I, did I, did I, complete, did I complete it? And, and they told him, yeah, you, you passed. You got it. 
Well, he found out later that he didn't actually tie the knot. He didn't get to the third knot. He passed out before it was tied. The reason why he passed was because the man was willing to die for the cause. He was willing to go to the, to the, um, to the worst extreme and put his life on the line for the Navy SEALs to become a Navy SEAL, and he passed. And the reason why he passed was because he believed in the cause. He, he passed because that's what the standard is to be a Navy SEAL. You've got to be willing to put your life on the line to die to be a Navy SEAL. Because you're going to be put in some, some pretty rough situations, right? In the same way, though, God's teaching us here tonight uh, through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached that God also has a standard. Just as the Navy SEALs have a standard, God has a standard. In verses 17 and 18, it says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. When you, when you think about a standard, you think about... Uh, I, I, I was, I was going to try to come up with my own definition, and when I looked up the dictionary definition, I thought it was really good. It says this. It says uh, that a standard is something considered by an authority or by general consent as a basis of comparison. And then it has a, a semicolon there, and it says an approved model. That's a good definition, right? I like that definition. An approved model. It's considered by an authority as the basis of comparison. And when we look at this text, we see that, uh, that God has a standard, and Jesus is uh, saying that the, the standard is and has been uh, the law, right? If we've read any, any amount of the Old Testament, or we, we know Exodus chapter 20, we know that, that that's when uh, God gave Moses the, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and told, him, told Moses, uh, this is the standard of which my people will live by. This is, how, this is how all the pagans will know that you are my people is because you, you will live by this, this standard here that I'm giving you. And Jesus is giving here this, uh, this disclaimer right before he shares uh, more specifically what that model looks like. Uh, Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. Right before that, he says, you are the light of the world. Uh, let your light shine so that others may see your good works. And so for him to jump right into, uh, don't think that I've come to abolish the law, seems a bit out of place. But what comes next, and, and what we're going to hear next week and, and in, in the following weeks, is, is the standard on, on anger and, and lust and divorce and, and making oaths and retaliating. So Jesus is about to get into what the model is, but, but that's why he gives this disclaimer, I, I didn't come to abolish. I'm not coming to do away with what you all know the law to be, disciples, but I'm, I'm coming to, to give you more info on what those, what those commands are, what the law is, what the standard is. In Leviticus 11:45, God says, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. 
God says this, and, and again, that, that's, that's the standard. That's the standard that we are, are called to, to uphold as believers. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm not coming to abolish that. I'm not coming to do away with that. The God who, by his power and might and authority over all creation, brought the Israelites out of slavery, turns to his people and says that I've, I've rescued you and now I'm calling you all to be holy. And so we, we know and the disciples knew this is the context for what Jesus is getting into. We know whenever he says the law and the prophets that he's talking about the entire Old Testament, which would have been uh, somewhat of a, of a common knowledge at this time, especially to those who were Pharisees and teachers of, uh, of, the t- of uh, Scripture. And we know that just like we can't be holy, Israel as well didn't and couldn't be holy. And so Jesus came to show us what that looks like, right? He came to model for us what we are to be like, and and Jesus could fulfill the law because he created it. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish it. Jesus isn't coming to do away with something that he created. Jesus is coming to, to to shed even more light to fulfill uh, what, what he, the standard that he set. Whenever God gave that standard to, to us, whenever God gave us the law and the prophets, uh, we, we, we read that sometimes and we think like, man, uh, if, you, if you ask kind of a, a, a person on the street um, about the Ten Commandments, why, why did God give us the Ten Commandments? And they would say what? To show us how to be good people, right? How do, how, do we, how do we be good people? Well, we follow the Ten Commandments. We follow God's law. We, we do what he says, and, and we're good people. That's, in fact, though, not why he gave the law. And we know that. God gave the law to show us that we are not good people, <laughs> right? That we've fallen short of his standard, and, and, and so if, if we've fallen short of the standard, then that leaves us in a weird position because there's this law that God gives us and tells us to uphold, and, and, and we can't do it, so, so then what? Well, God, if I've broken your law, then where am I at? Where, where do I stand with you? And Jesus is telling us here that he's, he's coming to fulfill it. The first point is God has a standard. In verse 18... Jesus says, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. I don't know about you all, but I don't use iota a lot, so I had to look that word up too. And, and apparently it is the, the ninth letter in the Greek alphabet, um, and it's just, uh, just like a, a line, right? It's just a single line. And so uh, what he's getting at here is whenever you take the, the entire law um, 600 and some odd commands, Jesus is saying none of them are going to be seen as obsolete. None of them are going to be seen as, uh, uh, n- you know, whatever. Uh, you don't have to fulfill them, right? They're going to be, th- th- they, nothing's changing about them. Not a, not a period, not a, not a slash, not a nothing about the, the commands are going to change until heaven and earth pass away until all is accomplished. 
Well, if that's the case, then, church, we still have the law binding on us. We still have uh, the, the law that we are called to, to live by. So not only did God give it to us in the Old Testament, give it, to, give it to the Israelites and tell them they should live by it, but we aren't to think that just because Christ came, now we don't have to fulfill the law. This is, this is the, the discussion right here. This is the logic that Jesus is working out of. We shouldn't think that now, since Jesus is here, we don't have to do anything and we can kind of live with this cheap grace that God gives because we know he'll forgive us. Paul says it like this in Romans um, chapter 6. He says in verse 17, But thanks be to God that you who once, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So he's saying, just because there was this change of you getting saved and no longer um, being someone who, who, who doesn't know God, uh, that doesn't mean that now you just do away with, with, with God's word. You just do away with God's law. Uh, on the contrary, now you, you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you have been uh, committed. We obey the standard of teaching because we've become slaves of doing good, of pursuing obedience to God's standard of be holy. We're called to, we're called to be holy, y'all. Jesus is telling us here, that nothing about God's word is, is changing. <laughs> don't, don't think that because I'm about to give y'all some, some kind of some, some, some different details about the law, don't think that that means that you're not supposed to uphold it. Don't think that that means that you're, you're not supposed to fulfill it. Rather, whenever you see it, you're going to understand that this is uh, more clarity on uh, God's law and you're going to understand more clearly how far you've fallen from God's standard and how badly you need Christ to forgive you or, or need somebody to live that standard out for you, to, to, to fulfill that for you. Point one was uh, God has a standard. Point two is uh, don't relax on the standard. Don't relax on the standard. Verse 19 says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Y'all know that, that, that famous verse in James where he's um, talking about, about, about faith and works. He says, uh, show, me, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works, by the things that I'm doing. And I think that that's what, what Christ is getting, here, getting at here in, in the Sermon on the Mount. I think he's getting at, uh, there's, this, there's this standard that you're to live by, uh, except for this standard is not what's going to make you right with God. Uh, it, it's going to be the outworking of, of, a, of a new heart in you, right? It's going to be the outworking of a, of a new heart. Whenever I think about relaxing, I, I think about um, 
being at home, right? <laughs> Hanging out on the couch and, and just maybe watching TV or, or, or just whatever, being, being on, the, on the beach, reading the book or, or whatever, right? And it's easy to relax on something that, uh, that's, that's pretty, uh, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a, um, a long span of time for which you have to do it, right? It's easy to relax on something whenever you are getting, you're doing it for so long, so long, so long, and you're just getting bogged down from it, and you're, you're thinking like, man, surely if I just kind of relax for a second, it'll be all right. Like, surely, like I'm not, I'm not throwing in the towel, I'm just going to relax for a second, uh, because I've been walking this Christian life for 40 and 50 years, surely if I just take a break for a second and just kind of relax from trying to keep all these laws, then, then I'll be, it'll be fine, right? It's, it's, it's easy to relax on something whenever you can't really see the end in sight, right? It's easier to... Versus uh, if, if you know that there's the light at the tunnel, you can see it, Man, I just got to go 20 more feet. I just, just got to go 40 more feet, and I'll be there. I'll be done. If you're a Navy SEAL and you're, and you're running, you're thinking, man, this is the last 100 yards. I can see. I can see the end. I can make it there. You're not going to relax, right? But if you don't know how far you have to go, then, then, then it's, it's pretty easy to relax. There's an awesome quote that I found in reading a, a book by Charles Spurgeon where he says this. He said that a centurion was placed in position by his centurion. Um, when, when this happened, he, he never thought of quitting his post. She's talking about sh- a soldier here. Whenever a century gets, gets placed in a position at his post to guard the, the, the wall uh, to, to the, um, the palace, to the kingdom, whenever he's placed there by his centurion, he never thinks of quitting his post. He's there, and he's going to be there, and he's going to stand in attention for as long as he's, as he's called to do that. Back then, it would have been from, you know, dusk till, or, uh, you know, whatever. You're, you're, you're there for uh, until it's dark, and then whenever it's dark, somebody else goes there until, uh, until it's light outside again, and that's how we're going we're gonna to switch our, our posts. But whenever a man was placed there, Spurgeon says that he never thought of quitting his post. He says, rocks might roam but not the sentinels of the empire. There was found in Pompeii, among the ashes, a sentry standing in place with his javelin in hand. He had not flinched amid the deadly shower which fell from the volcano and buried the city. Spurgeon telling a story about the city of Pompeii being uh, bombarded with a volcano, and whenever it was, uh, that there was a shower of, of deadly um, debris and ashes that were, uh, that were falling. In this century, while this chaos is happening, among all of this, uh, this, this scary, uh, deadly storm, he's standing there with his javelin in hand, not moving. Immovable. Why? Because he ain't thinking about quitting his post. Because he was put there to do a job and he's going to do his job. Just like the sentry who stands immovable when commanded, so we as Christians are to be unrelenting of our fulfillment of Christ telling us not to relax. He says... 
Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whenever I worked at Churchill Downs several years ago, um, <laughs> I was working security. And, uh, you know, whenever you're working the, the shift from 11 at night to 7 in the morning, uh, there's not a whole lot of people that are, that are up, that are around. And so uh, I'm, I'm there on that kind of post with another guy who, who's also working security with me. And um, church, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit to you all that there would be times where I would ask him if, if, if I could take a nap and he would ask if he could take a nap. And so we would trade off kind of napping on our shift while we're getting paid. And some of that was because we, we didn't think that there was going to be anything that bad that was going to happen, right? We didn't think there was going to be an attack on Churchill Downs at, at you know, 2 in the morning. And so we would, we, would, we would trade off. We'd relax, we'd sleep some, we'd watch TV. Um, and I, I just remember thinking, like, this is the easiest job in the world. I, I, I can sometimes sleep on my, on my shift. Matthew Henry says that if a man pretending to be Christ's disciple encourages himself in any allowed disobedience to the holy law of God or teaches others to do the same, whatever his station or reputation among men may be, he can be no true disciple. Spurgeon and, and, and Matthew Henry have some strong words for, for Christians who relax God's standard, right? Right? who take this word from Jesus not as serious as what it should be. We're called to be people who uphold the law of God according to the word of God, according to the word of Jesus. Again, not because we're, we're looking for that to save us, not because we're looking for uh, a pat on the back, but because, because Christ tells us to. And that's the outworking of our faith. So not too much longer, right? And Jesus is gonna is gonna be here. Uh, we we sometimes think of life. Uh, I remember I think that's it's in the Psalms somewhere that says that um, uh, kind of the average span of life is is seventy, and by reason of strength eighty. Uh, and I can't quote that for you, but it says it in the Bible. Uh, and I think about, man, that seems like a really long time. I'm 25, and I feel like I've already lived a long life, and, and I can't imagine being 80 years old or 85 years old and, and what that's going to be like and, and how much life I still have before me. Yeah, some of you are laughing. Uh, <laughs> 80 years is a long time, right? And even that is, according to God's word, but a, a breadth. But a, but a minute in the span of eternity, and it's over, and it's gone. Even though it seems hard, and the Christian life is long, and, and, and we know that life's hard, Christ tells us not to relax on, on what we're called to do. Don't quit the post. Continue. Instead, Christ says, those who teach the law whoever obey it and, and, who, and who teaches others to do the same will be called great 
as he's talking to his disciples, it makes me think um, that I'm, I'm called to spend my life teaching believers to observe all that Jesus commanded. He gave us that word in the, in the Great Commission, teach people to obey and, and to observe all that I've commanded you. In the same way, teach other disciples, teach young disciples, teach old disciples not to relax on the commandment. Not to relax on their duty as a believer. God has a standard. Don't relax on the standard. And Jesus is the standard. Verse 20 says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For work, uh, right now, I work for, for FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Some of you all know that. But every week, uh, I've got to come uh, to our staff meeting on Monday mornings with uh, a new verse memorized. And, uh, and it gets added to this list. And then, and then uh, once we go around and our, our whole staff give their new verse for the week, then uh, we go back on the, on the list and see uh, at some of the old verses that we've quoted and uh, said that we've committed to memory, and, uh, and we get tested. Okay, do, does he really know? Uh, this verse might be from two years ago. It might be from six months ago. Uh, but I just get to put my finger on it, and if you've got it memorized, then, then, uh, then you're going to tell it to me. And if you don't, then you owe me 25 push-ups. That, that's, that's our deal. Uh, and, and so I, I was, uh, I'd set out to, to memorize some verses, and for a long time I was just kind of doing whatever. I wasn't, I wasn't really, like, I, there was no structure or, or, or even any, like, real reason. I was just kind of picking some random verses and memorizing them. And sometimes I would be procrastinating, and I'd be trying to, at this time, most nights, be, be uh, scrambling to, to memorize a verse so that I could have it for Monday morning. Um, but about, I don't even know, maybe two months ago, I, I started uh, trying to memorize uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I, I wanted to memorize uh, this because it's the teachings of Jesus. And um, whenever I got to 17 through 20, um, I remember like being in the gym, having my having my uh, my my app playing these four verses over and over again in my ear, and and at the time I, I didn't really like read them. I wasn't studying them. I wasn't taking time out of my day to 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 write down what I felt like the Lord was teaching me through this. And uh, I, it must have been 30 minutes of of listening to these four verses. And in verse 20, I kept hearing and kept hearing, and then. And then it kind of hit me, what is, he, what is he talking about when he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Surely if my righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, I will never get to heaven, right? The Pharisees know so much of the Old Testament, right? They, they, they know everything there is to know about the law of God, about the word of God, and, uh, and I'm called to, to have a, a greater righteousness than that. And I remember thinking, duh, dude, the, <laughs> it's not about what you do. It's, it's, it's about Christ's righteousness and us needing his righteousness. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. The most religious people at this time, Jesus says, your, your righteousness has to be better than theirs. Just here in just a little bit, we're going to hear in, in verse 48 um, Jesus tell us 
You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so we know what the standard is. Um, and, and, and there's this connection to, to Christ, right? We're not supposed to just be good people or better than the next person sitting in the pew. That's not the standard that Christ calls us to. And sometimes we, we get a little bit, uh, kind of take a deep breath, like, man, that person messed up, that, person's, that person is messed up, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm better than they are, and, and we kind of give ourselves a little pat on the back for being better than the next person. That's not the, that's not the standard that Christ calls us to. We've got to be perfect as our Heavenly Father's perfect. I remember, uh, I'm closing here with this. Uh, one time, I guess several years ago, I don't remember when it was, Josh wrote a post on, on our church website. and um, Or maybe he just told me this story, I don't, I don't know. But Eli must have been three years old. And Josh said that he was talking with Eli. And, and they were talking about uh, Jesus and... Um, I can't remember all the specifics, or I have to ask Josh, but, but at one point or another, uh, Josh is talking to, to Eli about heaven and Christ and being forgiven, and, uh, and Eli made the comment, like, yeah, Dad, but, I, but what about my sin? Or I still have my sin, or something like that. I've still got my sin. And I remember as like a 21-year-old man thinking like, dude, that's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. I need, to, I need to be hearing that. I need to, I need to have the faith of Eli. Um, and one thing that I'll hear uh, Josh Wombo and Josh Green say often is it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't matter like what good you're doing, your sin still needs to be dealt with. Right, if you think that you're a good person and you do some good things, uh, that, that doesn't matter because you still have your sin. What are you going to do about that? Our sin's got to be dealt with, and, and Jesus is telling us here in verse 20 uh, that we have to have the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The way for us to get that righteousness then is to look to Christ. John MacArthur says we need internal conformity to the spirit of the law. Um rather than mere compliance to the letter or, or to the law. The call to worship was Galatians 2.16, and um, I'm just going to read that really quick, and we'll be out of here. It says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And we know that because by works of the law, no one will be justified. In order for us to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, y'all, we have to have faith in Jesus that, that justifies us from our sin, Christ taking our sin from us, and then being forgiven and given his righteousness. So remember that our fulfillment of the law, our, our, uh, the command of our Lord Jesus to fulfill the law, um, because he commanded us to do that for the sake of our witness, and because he gives righteousness to all who trust in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for the Sermon on the Mount, and, and that it still teaches us 
Lord, I pray that this would serve as a reminder. Uh, God, we, we know that your uh, word is, is true and that righteousness is only by faith in Christ. Um, but Lord, sometimes we so often forget that. And we so often think that it's about our performance or how well we do and, and us trying to earn our way to you. Uh, Lord, I pray that it would be true of all of us, that we would uh, lay down our, our own good deeds for the sake of thinking that, um, that they'll make us right with you, that we would turn to Christ, put our trust in him, and then because of faith in him and the command that he gave us, we would do good works. It would be the outworking of the faith that you gave us. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.